Morning, guys. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Talk about backlash. We're we're, we're ducking and and weaving over here in Australia like we've you know put down everything. Lost the Ashes, lost the Bledisloe Cup, everything in in one hit. We lost one Test match by eight runs, and <laughs> the world's gone crazy. Well, you know, people in this part of the world, if this result happened in some other parts of the world, would be asking, were the bookmakers called? Were the bookmakers involved here? <laughs> Look, it's been an extraordinary sort of conversation to come out of the back of it. And I've actually just been sitting here ahead of my show this morning on our Sydney station here and going through the numbers. I mean, the reality is that Australia, the test team, has had a remarkable year. There's no question about it. I mean, the World Test Championship, the Ashes, the Ben Okadir Trophy, the Frank Worrell Trophy, they've won or retained the lot. But... What's going on now is that a lot of the stats are being broken down to say, OK, look, there's, there's no doubt about it. Australia should not have lost that test match to the West Indies. They know that. And I think that the review internally will be brutal because it should be. They should not have lost a test match to that West Indian team. But they did. So now we're starting to pick through the numbers, fellas. And eight out of 16 tests along the way in that cycle is the number of, of matches that the Aussies have won. So they've been winning matches at just 50%. And the focus now is, OK, we've got this top six batting lineup that is now taking shape with the exit of David Warner. And what are the numbers telling us? And the reality in all of this is that the numbers are telling us that Marnus Labuschagne isn't firing yet. That, that's kind of it in a nutshell. So where are we at? This is the question that I'm about to ask my listeners what more do we want, as in Australian fans, or expect from an Australian test team that's been wiping the floor with everyone and having a great time along the way? And really, what happens when they come over to you guys and, and face a very different challenge? So that's kind of the scenario, I think, that Australian cricket is in at the moment. I've heard some very, very high praise for this current Australian side, You know, asking if they're up there with the very, very best Australian teams ever. Uh, I hold some of those Australian teams in the highest of esteem. Tell me what you think of this, Matty. I, I, I don't think this current group um, holds a candle on those sides. The bowling attack aside, that bowling attack is fabulous. It's fantastic. But I look at that Australian top six, and I consider it against some of the teams where you know, it was just stacked one to six. And, and in fact, seven, eight, nine, yeah. ten, and eleven who didn't play was, was ridiculous. I look at that top six and think by Australian standards, it's what? Above average, if that? Or is that too unfair? No, 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 I think that's fair. I think you're bang on. I mean, you cannot compare this team to, say, Steve Waugh's team that that had 16 on the trot. Um, This team is a very, very good team. Is it a great team at the moment? Not yet. Is it hard to beat? Yes. Is it unbeatable? Not yet. Um, You're right, an exceptionally good bowling team, but a batting team, I think, a batting side that is still a work in progress. So I don't think that anyone would expect to say a team that essentially is a bit of a work in progress is a great team. And I haven't heard too much debate around where we stack this team up against, say, the war team, for instance. I haven't really heard too much of that. It's more this shock and awe of, whoa, whoa, what happened? We need to take a look. The the funny thing is with with Marnus Labuschagne, for instance, we're talking about a player now whose average has dropped 10 points, right? He's dropped 10 runs on his average, but he's dropped down to 50. 
His average at the moment in Test cricket is now 50.82, and we're squabbling over the fact that it was 63, which we was never going to stay at. I think we'd be pretty happy in most teams to have a batsman who's averaging 50.82, regardless of how many runs he made in the last four innings against the West Indies. So this is the tricky debate that's going on. But this is a very, very good team. We know that. It's very well captained. It's got some extraordinary talent in it and some generational talent in it. Only time will tell whether this team can be held up against the greats. And I think, especially with the age uh, factor of, the, of most of the members of the team, they won't stay together long enough, I don't think, to pressure the great Australian teams that we've had in the past. However, they're filling the cabinet. So it's a great conundrum, this team, that, that's posing questions to the Australian sporting public and, and the cricketing public. Uh, Matt White out of SEN uh, with us. Matt, you know in this role, you've got to play contrarian, so I will. Um, Manus Labashane, Labashakne for a start, 31 in His last 31 test innings, he's <laughs> averaging 34. That, that's a significant mm, sample yeah. size. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's a, that's a good number. Again, you know, like I say, 19 runs in four innings against the West Indies. His summer here netted 220 at an average of just over 28 with a top score of 63. So... We expect more of Manus Labuschagne, and he looked out of sorts to me throughout the entire summer. I think, you know, Manus is such a, a quirky character, just like his, his bromance brother in Steve Smith, obviously. He's such a quirky character that the, the signs for me were there early on, and it's not in the shots that Manus is playing. It's in between the shots that he's playing or not playing. The frustration from Labuschagne was there throughout the summer. Now, what does that come down to? Does that come down to technique? Probably. Uh, hard work, there's a box that he ticks every single day. So y- you're right, but is Marnus Labuschagne's position in question in this team? No. And one of the things that I'm going to ask my listeners this morning is, okay, if you think it is, name me a replacement. See if you can come up with a replacement top six to the one that we've got at the moment. We've got Usman Khawaja there, Steve Smith there. They're not going anywhere. Marnus yeah, sure. He, he's had a lean trot. Is he going anywhere? Doubt it. Travis Head had a king pair and a golden duck in Melbourne, but he's at Travis Head, and they expect that from him because they also get the 119 out of him. Cameron Green's back in the team. He won't be going anywhere unless he falls off a cliff, and Mitch Marsh is in the kind of form that held him back in there twice out in the 90s in this series. So I see all the numbers, and I hear all the debate, and I go, if fair points to all of them, but is there a better top six that Australia can piece together? According to the selectors and the coach and the captain, not yet. Well, the wrong. Steve Smith betting at four makes it a better batting lineup. But hey, what do I know? Uh, Cameron Green, what, <laughs> what, what, is, what, what is this player? It's not manifesting itself regularly mm. in the test environment. The 100 against India and Ahmedabad, I think it was, is an obvious exception. But the talent's there. Mm. How long How long a, a grace period has he given? Because, again, he's played 25, 26 tests. Yeah, it's a really good question. The, the fact of the matter is now that, that, that Cameron Green is in the position that he's in in this Australian test team, and they made sure that he was coming back. Otherwise, they would have gone differently. They, they would have left Steve Smith at number four, and if mm. they left him there, there's no room for Cameron Green. So they've made the call that Cameron Green is in this Australian team for the long term, but... I think the reality now for Cameron Green is, and you're bang on, mate. Like you cannot get to this stage of your career 
and start to expect to be carried. So I, I think the writing's on the wall for Cameron Green to say, scores in 30s and 40s now and your position with your experience at this level don't cut it. So he would effectively be on notice. But I, I used to squirm and I have squirmed a lot at the, the generational player term. They've thought about Cameron Green in yeah. this way for a long, long time. Yeah. And then yeah. and, and then something made me think about about Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins was and is a generational player. And you'll remember early in his career with all of his injury troubles, you could have farewelled Pat Cummins from Australian the Australian Test Cricket Arena. There's a lot of bowlers in Australia who could have who could have squirmed on in while he was sitting on the sideline. But they went, no, 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 this guy is a generational player. We're going to play the long game. Now, they're doing that with Cameron Green. I'm not saying Cam Green's Pat Cummins, but they're doing that with Cameron Green. And the history has shown them with the Pat Cummins scenario that when you think you've got a generational player and if you play the long game with him, chances are that he will turn out good in the end. And I think that's the that's the the scenario they've got. I was about to say the game they're playing with Cameron Green, but it's much more, you know, it's much more sort of worked out and forensically planned than this. But I I think that they've put all their eggs in the Cameron Green basket, and they think they're going to get the rewards on that. Now it's over to the player, right? Everything yeah, has been handed back over to Cameron Green, and it's over to him, and he does have the talent to do it. Whether or not he starts to deliver, to deliver, well. That's, that's going to be for the future scorebooks. And if he doesn't, now they're right to say, OK, OK, you were, you were a generational player, but you're not getting the runs. It's time to go. Uh, Matt White with us out of SEN. Um, yeah, you're just going to get angry, though, and take it out on us, though. Uh, we'll leave the cricket alone. We'll ponder that series um, a little <laughs> bit later. I'd like to talk to you about the Australian Open tennis, the, the men's final. You know, a slap-a-linker as I've affectionately na- named her um, dominant in the women's. It wasn't really a contest. Man alive, she whacks the ball. But the way Daniil Medvedev played in the first two sets, how on earth did Yannick Sinner win that? Medvedev, I-, I reckon, could have beaten anyone the way he played those first two sets. Yeah, and, and the other part of that is, how do you come back from something like that? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of Yannick Sinner. He's 22 years of age. Sure, he had, a, he had a ripping season last year. He knocked over Novak twice. In fact, obviously knocked over Novak on the way through to the final here. And, and you know, if you beat Novak, chances are you're going to win a major at, at this stage of, of the cycle of world tennis. But you're 22 years of age. You're out there in your first ever Grand Slam final. And you're two sets down against a bloke who's won one. He won the US Open and has been at that stage plenty of times before. That was his seventh final, um, Daniil Medvedev. So how on earth do you look around as a kid and go, I'm going to get myself out of this hole? Because that hole must have felt like the size of Victoria, not Melbourne Park. And the way that he did that to come back is an extraordinary sign of his talent, his resolve, no question about it, his belief in himself, and his form. You go through his form of the, of the Australian Open, the two weeks of the Australian Open, didn't drop a set. He dropped one set along the way, and it was against Novak. He spent almost, <laughs> I think, seven hours on court less time than his opponent. So somewhere in there in Yannick Sinner is a player that has this belief that no matter who's on the other side, I can take him down. And to me, when you get to the end of seven matches, two weeks, extraordinary heat, the first Grand Slam of the year, 
the first Grand Slam final that you're in to come up against all of that and override it and go into the final three sets on the Sunday night to finish it off, that's an amazing performance. That really is an amazing performance. Mate, we've seen, and I've firsthand seen, plenty of those athletes go there and win their first ever majors. I was there the year that Novak won his first. I interviewed him straight after his victory, and Jim Courier was sitting alongside me, and Jim looked at me as Novak was walking up. He said, mate, this kid's the real deal. And we had a lot of questions about Novak Djokovic at that stage. I don't know how many questions we've got about Yannick Sinner because, <laughs> you know, the questions around Novak were, was, would he have the gumption to keep on going? He constantly falls in a heap. He didn't have the right temperament, yada, yada, yada. And look where he's ended up. There are very few questions about Yannick Sinner. He's now won his first at the Australian Open and chances are that he'll win many, many more. An extraordinary talent. And he's now put his hand up to say, I'm, I'm part of this new brigade. Him and Carlos Alcaraz are, are the new brigade. Oh, I'll give you much longer, mate. I know you've got your own show to worry about. Bums on seats, eyeballs on TV screens for the Aussie Open. Wasn't another huge success? Yeah, they were. Yeah, absolutely. Big crowds again. Um, they're trying to work out how not to drag it out, which is interesting. They started the Australian Open on the on the Sunday night this time around instead of the Monday morning. So they gave it an extra day, yet when the thing finished yesterday, I saw Craig Tiley, the, the man who runs the show and has done so very successfully, start talking about we want to take, uh, we want to take let's, let calls out of tennis to speed it up. So they want, to, they want to expand the thing and keep it going, and we've got matches that finish at 3.40 a.m. in the morning, yet now we're talking about trying to get rid of let's to try and you know, um, make everything faster and and happen quicker for the spectators and the fans and obviously the TV audiences. But, look, it's always a big one. They rejigged the TV ratings uh, scenario here as of yesterday, so I haven't picked my way through it, but the numbers right. are big. Yeah, and they're always, they're always going to be big. So it doesn't help that we don't have Australians at the back end. Um, Ash Barty's removal from tennis a couple of years ago didn't help. Nick Kyrgios not being around doesn't help. But, yeah, another big success. It's a ripping tournament. Last one for you. We haven't even had our first cricket test of the summer here in New Zealand. We've got that starting this coming Sunday. So I'm struggling to get my head around mm. the fact the oval ball heads might be ready to take over this show and ram that content down our throat. Um, are you in that boat or are you ready for the NRL and the likes to kick off? I can say this is, this is, this is the thing with me. I can, I'm one of, the, one of the weird characters that can multitask when it comes to my sport. So I'll keep my eyes on cricket. <laughs> Too much cricket for me is never enough. And we know that once rugby league gets going, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So I can, I can sort of, you know, you know, sometimes like you, you, you want to keep the wolf at bay, but you kind of want to let <laughs> it in to have a snap at your feet. That, that feels like the NRL for me. I'm like, I'm loving the cricket too much. Get out football, get out. But what, I know that once it's in and it's starting to snap at my heels that I won't mind the bites. Exactly. Uh, and all the more reason not to talk to your mates and your family. Uh, good on you, Matt. Love your work. Uh, hope you have a great show. Hope the audience bites for your topics today. Go well, sir. <laughs> Thanks, buddy.